if anyone came in here today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they would hear your voice, accept your son's blood that he shed on the cross for their sins, that they would receive the new life that comes in Christ, and that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they would live for eternity. Father, if anyone came in here depressed, lonely, feeling empty, maybe just ready to give up, we pray that your joy would fill them today, that your spirit would empower them to live the abundant life. Father, if anyone came in sick in their body or facing a financial obstacle, Father, that you would remove it right now, that you would give them the word of faith that would move the mountain. Father, speak through me and to your people directly. Father, I, I do my best to keep my flesh out of this and keep your word for most forefront. I ask for your Holy Spirit to dwell in everyone here and empower them to hear and to see your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 7, verse 37. Hallelujah. It says there that on the last day, that great day of the feast, if you left your Bible home, we'll be glad to give you one right now. Just raise your hand. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let me read that again. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm going to read that one more time. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow. They say if you read it three times, it's more powerful, so I thought I might just try that out. <laughs> to understand what Jesus is talking about here, though, we have to understand what the feast is. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. How many of you have heard of the Feast of Tabernacles? Mm. I'm half Jewish, so I've, of course, heard it. I've been involved in the celebration of it. How many of you know that down in Ocean Grove, they put all those little booths up during the Feast of Tabernacles because it's called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Sukkot, which talks about booths. It's about God giving a dwelling for them in the desert. We had a neighbor who lived around the corner from us, and in their backyard, they put together their little suit coat, and we came over to the house and sat under it and ate. It was a little canopy, a little shelter. Um, so this is where we are right now. Actually, today is the actual last day of that feast. That feast started last Sunday. The seven days of it started last Sunday, the Feast of Tabernacles. And before this, Jesus actually said, I'm going to the feast, but I'm going to stay hidden for a while. That's why 
many people think that Jesus will return on the Feast of Tabernacles because he stays hidden and then he is revealed. You know, but you thought the world was coming to an end a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago, a couple decades ago. Hasn't happened yet. Everybody here that's still breathing, guess what? The world has not come to an end yet. Now we're supposed to wait for Jesus, but that doesn't mean we build shelters and get guns and gold and groceries and hide in the basement. <laughs> Somebody just said, why not? <laughs> Reason being is we don't want him to come back right away. We want him to come back we won't, until our loved ones are saved, until the people we really care about, we know they're going to spend eternity. Your heart should be towards that, not towards hurry up, Jesus, <laughs> and get me out of here because <laughs> I need a new body, even though we do. <laughs> but this feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Pentecost, or first Passover was the feast of planting. Pentecost, which was 50 days later, was the feast of gathering the grain. Tabernacles is the, is the uh, feast of the harvest of the fruit. And that'll come into play a little later. But remember, this is the, of the fruit, mainly the fruit of the vine. So here we are. Right now is the feast of tabernacles. So Jesus... This is the feast that he was talking about when he, said, he stood up and said, come to me for drink. Now, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 16. And I want you to understand something about this feast. It's a harvest feast. It's a gathering of fruit. It's a gathering of fruit to make wine. It's, and, and in the Bible, it says wine is joy. It's, it's about joy. It's about joy. Now, you can't manufacture joy, but you can you could start to move your body towards joy a little bit. Look at the person next to you and say, you look great today. Have you been working out? You should be in movies. Look at the person next to you and say, man, you look good. <laughs> there you go. Do you like when somebody says, man, you look good? Do you like that? Does that feel good? All right, somebody say it to me. There you go. I'll take it. <laughs> it. It represents a time of renewed fellowship with the Lord because of the tabernacle. You know, like we're back in fellowship. We're back with him. You know, it's a time of joy. It's a time for people to come back to the Lord because Right before this was what? We talked about it, Yom Kippur. It was the time of repentance. And what happens after repentance? Times of refreshing come. See, because when you repent and you're forgiven, you can come back into the presence of the Lord. So they were so excited. All their sins were sent away in the scapegoat, and here they are. Now's the next feast. We're gathering grapes for wine. Everything's good. Fruit harvest coming in. They were excited. They were full of joy. And that's how you should be because your feast is every day. It's every day. Deuteronomy 16, 13. This is when they were first told to do it in the law. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your fleshing, from your fleshing, from your threshing floor and from your wine press, there's the grapes. You shall rejoice in your feast, you, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, 
within your gates. In other words, doesn't matter who you are. It's a time to rejoice. Doesn't matter what the situation is in your life right now. It's time to rejoice. It doesn't matter if your marriage is almost broke. It doesn't matter if you're almost broke. It's time to rejoice in the Lord. There's always a time to turn back to him and rejoice. Seven days you'll keep a sacred feast to the Lord in the place where he chooses. Because the, why? Why should you have joy? Because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all the work of your hands. In Psalm 1, I love that it talks about a man who's rooted and grounded in God. And it says that the works of his hands will prosper. Too many people are trying to prosper without God. Root yourself in him, you'll have no choice but to prosper. <laughs> it's just a horrible thing, isn't it? Sentenced to a life of joy. Shoot. It's like you come before the judge. Jesus is your advocate. What's the sentence, judge? A sentence of life, peace, joy to you. I don't want it. <laughs> that, that's your sentence. I'm sorry to say. Will anybody take it? Um, why do you have joy? Why? Because you're blessed. If you're his child, he will bless you. So, in Israel, here's what would happen in those seven days of the feast, man, because they were rejoicing. They were excited. And they would all make a pilgrimage where? To the temple. And the high priest, now we have a high priest named Jesus, but he was the high priest then. Here's what he would do. He would take a golden pitcher. And for seven days, he would go to the pool of Siloam, draw out the water. And as he came back to the temple, and it said there was a procession following him. Like everybody was like excited. There he goes. <laughs> high priest is going to get the water. He's coming back to the temple. Big procession. And then the Jews would start singing a psalm. Psalm 118, the Hallel. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord. But we have to do it. They were probably doing it more like, Okay. Can I be in the worship team? No. Okay. I'm always auditioning. <laughs> but they were singing it. And then they would say, save now. Everybody say that. Save now. Save now. Hey. The Jew, well, I'm half Jewish, but the Jews were no different than me, man. I want it now. I don't want a milkshake tomorrow. If there's a milkshake in the house, I want it now. <laughs> How many of you are like, if you want it and you want it now? If you go to the store, you buy chips, you put them in the cabinet. How, about, how many minutes before you go get them chips? For me, it's like two. My wife, she goes out. She, we always have enough in my house. It's the, it's, it's the overflow house. How many of you? Like there's food in every corner. Like, you know, you're in the bathroom, medicine cabinet. There's like tomato sauce. You know what I'm saying? There's food everywhere. But she likes to take it and put it like in closets out there. So when I'm going around and I want a chip... I don't go for sugar and chocolate and all that. How many of you are like that? You like sugar and chocolate and everything? Come over to my house. You can have all you want. 
Me, I got to have Doritos. Cheesy things, crunchy things. So I'll be like, where is it? I want it now. I saw it. And then you're going through the house. I know she bought it. It's clothes flying. It's like you want it now. And every time they went out, they were saying, we want it now. Save now, I pray, oh Lord. Send now. Everybody send now. Say send. Send now. Prosperity. Now don't get religious on me, okay? Prosperity means more than money. The word in the Hebrew actually means advance. Advance. Now, when they went into the promised land, Joshua went after prosperity. It wasn't easy. He fought to take the land. He battled for it. People think they're just, oh, just rain money down from heaven. There's no money in heaven. You know that? When the windows of heaven open, there's not money there. There may be some gold dust that somebody kicks. Everything is here already. God, send advancement. Send open doors for me. Send me a husband. If this is what the Holy Spirit wants, we'll do it. <laughs> I was talking to some guys at the men retreat, and I was like, you're single Christian? I said, you're like gold. Let me touch you. Right. You're a single Christian man at a men's retreat? For God's sakes, can I mint you? <laughs> All right, be brave. I don't care if your girlfriend's here. If you're a single man, stand up right now. If you're a single man, come on, I don't care. Stay, let him stand up. Uh, you let him stand up. Stand up, come on. You stand up. You stand up right now. Yes, you stand up. Hey, wait. Stand up right now. Every one of you, stand up. We're in church. You can't lie. Come on, stand up. Come on. There's more. Listen, if there's not a ring on it, what did Beyonce say? Hey! Ain't no ring on it. No band of gold. <laughs> Ladies, did you take notes? I know. <laughs> Such a great corral to choose from. Amen? Hey, it's the only way you find out. Make them stand up. How many of you met your spouse in church? Look at that. Look around you, people. Stay with it. Hopefully they weren't married when you found them. They were sitting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> send now a husband. <laughs> I'm never going to see that scripture the same. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So they were like, blessed is he who comes. Who? That high priest with the water. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That high priest with the water. And then he came back to the temple. And they were singing. They were all excited. And all of a sudden he takes the water and he pours it out. And then they just went crazy. Like their husband just showed up. <laughs> 
And they did that for seven days. Seven days. Now, here's the thing when I first started studying this a couple years ago that got me right away. Because you know I'm not just going to go, oh, the high priest dipped the water and he went back. No, there's more to this. Where did he get the water? The Pool of Siloam. How many have ever heard of that? Pool of Siloam, okay? We were in Israel. We saw it up close and personal. As a matter of fact, everything we saw in Israel was amazing. But me, I'm like, where's the Pool of Siloam? We go to the Pool of Siloam. And that guy, our guy was like, would you shut up? Get to your pool. <laughs> you know, look at this mountain. No, I want the pool. First of all, because it's 175 degrees, I think I'm jumping in that pool. But the Pool of Siloam was so awesome, you know. It's in Jerusalem, the city of David. So that water that he did was from the Pool of Siloam. Where did that water come from? Where did that pool get the water from? I'll tell you where it came from, Hezekiah's Tunnel. Let's turn to the next scripture, which is going to go up on the screen in a second. Here we go. Second Chronicles 32. So here's what happened. We have King Hezekiah, right? One of the better kings. Made a few mistakes, but he was one of the better kings. He saw that Sennacherib had come. If you know the history of this, actually Sennacherib sent him a letter and said, we're coming to get you. <laughs> kind of like, you know, when the IRS sends you something? <laughs> we're coming to get you. <laughs> Anybody ever get one of those? Don't raise your hand. There's IRS agents here today. <laughs> It says that he saw that Sennacherib had come. Listen, we're not foolish. We know that the enemy is after us. We have to recognize that. And remember, we talked about that last week, how David was sharp. He knew he was being tested. He knew. Peter said, don't think it's strange when you're going through a trial. They're going to come. See, when you can have that attitude... You can see where God's going to deliver you. Instead of focusing on the trial, you focus on God's deliverance. And that his purpose was to make war. So Hezekiah realized, we're in a war. The enemy is after me. How many of you know that the devil wakes up every day and his assignment is to crush you? <coughs> it's his job. And he works overtime. It's what he does. The biggest deception that he has on mankind is that he doesn't exist. The devil has used man to turn him into a Halloween costume. That he's harmless. No, there is a roaring lion that seeks to devour you. But we know that. So Hezekiah consulted with his leaders and said, Stop the water from the springs which are outside the city. So everybody gathered together to stop the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find water? Okay. Jerusalem is like on a hill. It's on a high point. That's why Jesus would always say, look at Jerusalem, because you could see it when you're walking there. It's high up. We saw it from miles and miles away. And so there was water outside of Jerusalem. The spring Gihon, it was called. And that's where the water that the Israelites would use. But Hezekiah said, look, we got to stop that water because here's what happened. Sennacherib had just sieged Samaria, another town. 
He had sieged it for three years. Do you know what a siege is? When you're surrounded. Hey, Clancy, take the boys and surround the house. They would surround the city, cut off the water, and wait it out. They waited three years, and eventually Samaria fell. Why? Because they didn't have water. They were cut off. So Hezekiah knows that's what they're going to come to do. They're going to siege us. They don't even have to fight. They just put a siege and wait for you to... So you're like, you know, <laughs> I hate water. You're like a zombie, you know, and then they just shoot you. You know, they shoot zombies, right? Zombies just walk around, you know. To wait till you have no energy left to fight. Some of you, that's where your marriage is right now. Some of you, that's where your financial situation is right now. Some of you, that's where your health is right now. Some of you, that's where your dreams are right now. You're, you're being laid siege. And you're getting weaker. Hezekiah said, why should the enemy be stronger than us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why should the enemy be stronger? He's not. So, 2 Chronicles 32.30, here's what they did. Hezekiah stopped the water out of the upper Gihon, that spring I talked to you about. You know what's really interesting about this spring, Gihon? It was an intermittent spring. Remember when in the book of John, when Jesus healed that man and he said the water hasn't stirred? Is it possible that the intermittent water was the stirring? You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would just stir in certain places. But now, he's been poured out on all flesh. Anyway, that's a side note. He stopped the water and brought the water by tunnel. In some translations, it says channeled the water to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. 2 Kings 20.20, talking about this same situation. Now, the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a what? Tunnel and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book? You see, the way the pool of Siloam got its water was Hezekiah's tunnel. Do you know, one of the things we didn't do when we went to Israel is go through Hezekiah's tunnel. Why? Because the guide figured, how many people want to walk through 1,700 feet of 20 below, probably, water underground? Anybody here volunteering? But you will see, has anyone here walked through Hezekiah's tunnel? There we go. We got somebody. Amen. You could tell us about that later. 1,720 or 30 feet is, is this tunnel is. And you know how they did it? <laughs> you got Jews over here and you got Jews over here digging a tunnel from both sides. They dug from outside and inside at the same time, hoping they would meet. Only a bunch of Jewish guys could do that. I'm telling you right now. Being Jewish like that makes total sense. And you know what? The tunnel ended up being an S. But somehow, by God's grace, we don't know how they did it. Maybe the people up, you know, there were people up on the land and would bang on and say, okay, you're here, okay, head left, you know. We don't exactly know how it was done, but we know it was God. Yes, yes, yes. And eventually they met, and as soon as the wall was broken, the water flowed through. So, 
He's going over there. He's taking the water from that pool, coming over, pouring it out for seven days. On the eighth day, put up those scriptures about the eighth day. Because there's something called Simcha Torah, which means the joy of the word of God. And what Moses said is on the eighth day after the Feast of Tabernacles to read the word. It's in, I think it's in Deuteronomy 32, but we're not going to go there now. But he said, read the word and rejoice over the word. And that's what they do now. It says, for seven days you offer an offering of fire. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation. You won't do anything. It's a sacred day. Put the next scripture up about the eighth day. On the eighth day, you'll have a sacred assembly. You'll do no work. So for seven days, the high priest went. They said, send prosperity. Hallelujah. And they also said, draw from the waters of salvation. This is what they sang. This is what they spoke. On the eighth day, they didn't do anything. And I believe, and that day would be tomorrow, and many other scholars believe this, that Jesus stood up on that day when there was no water being poured. Now, remember, he kept himself hidden. He said, I'm going to keep myself hidden during this. So on the eighth day, when everybody's real quiet and nothing's happening, there's no water being poured, Jesus comes out and says, if you're really thirsty, come and get a drink now. And that drink will be a flow of living water. That will never run out. Oh my gosh. And then he says in verse 39 of John chapter 7, what I'm speaking about is the spirit. Look. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, but this he spoke concerning the spirit. They were bringing water every day. They had to go get it. Jesus said, something new is going on. The eighth day is not something the Beatles made up. The number eight in Hebrew always means first because it's the start of a new week. On the eighth day, Jesus stood up and said, there's something new going on, people. There's something new. You can drink of a new water. It's a Holy Spirit water. And it'll never run out. As a matter of fact, if you drink of this water, out of yourself, out of you, will flow rivers of living water, streams of it. It will never run dry. In you! You don't have to wait for a pitcher. You don't have to wait for an intermittent flow. There's something new going on. It's the Spirit forever and ever and ever in you. Something new going on. Now look at this. How many of you feel like right now in your life you're under siege from the enemy? I just love it so much I can't stand it. He will put you under siege. He'll try to dry you out. He'll try to take, 
your breath away. How many of you ever lost their breath, had a panic attack, was losing their breath over something? You know, Jesus said in this world, you will have pressure. He called it tribulation. The real word in the Greek is pressure. It talks about taking the air out of something. Many of us have lost our breath. I remember being out in the ocean right now. That's why I don't like to get in the ocean. You know, when we go on vacation and they take you out in that boat to go snorkeling, I ain't going. <laughs> you know, they put that, like, platform way out there in the middle of the ocean. Now, every, all my kids are swimmers, right? So we go out. I'm dad, you know, dad. We got six kids, you know. We, go, we were in the, I don't know, Bahamas or something. It's like, we're going out snorkeling. I'm like, yay. <laughs> Wee! Can't wait. My kids are like, Daddy, they're like six. I'm like, Joey, if anything happens, get me first. <laughs> six years old. Oh, yeah. They swim way better than me. We're out there on that platform. Everybody puts that snorkel stuff on. They all jump in. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> get back on there. You know why? Because when I was little, once I went out too far in the ocean. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I went out too far. And I started having a panic attack. Like I looked around, I didn't see light anywhere. And finally, I saw this light and I swam, man. I could have been Mark Spitz. I mean, I was like Michael Phelps, man. <laughs> I could have won world records. And from that time, it put a little fear into me because that feeling of losing your breath is so powerful. You know, I'm just getting over that. You know, if anybody wants to give me swimming lessons. Swimmies. I use swimmies now. <laughs> Alicia, how am I doing? Oh, I'm not in the deep end? Oh, okay. But that feeling of, that feeling of almost losing your breath. Ever been there? under siege. It's like, how long is this going to go on? It doesn't say how long they surrounded Israel, but it was most likely years since they just surrounded Samaria for years, being surrounded for year, by years of fear, of unbelief, of poverty thought, or a sickness in your body, or I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to find the right person. I'm never going to be successful in my career. I'm never going to find myself in ministry. I'm never going to do, I'm never going to, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. And you're surrounded. And you're just, you're just ready to, I'm done. I give up. But I'll tell you what. When they surrounded Israel, I think if the second year, they were looking in there. Why are those dang Jews so happy? They look fatter. They look like they've been swimming. <laughs> Did I just see Jewish guys in bathing suits? Which, by the way, you'll never see. Anyway, they're looking at like, what's going on? You know why? Because there was a secret tunnel of water coming in to the pool of Siloam, and they were drinking the whole time. And eventually... The enemy had to leave. There's a secret flow in your heart and in your belly. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. Your marriage may look like a mess, but there's potential in there. Your finances may look like they're under siege, 
but there's potential in there. You may be sick. It may not look good. Your body may not look right, but there's potential in there. You know why? Because if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, there's something that the enemy can't see. It's a hidden well. It's a hidden well of life in you. And look what happens eventually to the enemy. See, we're just going to wait them out. We're going to wait this siege out, people. If you're under siege, you're going to wait it out because you got something that he doesn't have. They surrounded Jerusalem. They didn't have any water. There was more water in the city than there was outside the city even though they were sieged. And I'm telling you, there's more power in you than there is any circumstance that can lay siege to you in your life. There's more power. There's more spirit. There's more flow. It's here. I felt under siege this week. <laughs> Me and my wife were in the car together for 12 hours. You want to talk about siege? I was surrounded. But I kept saying... I kept saying, honey, there's something in me. <laughs> there's a well of living water that I can draw on any time I want. No matter what has you under siege, there's a hidden tunnel of life in you. I love it. The enemy, he, doesn't, he can't figure it out. And then he, he gets tired. It's like I'm, I'm doing everything I've tried with this person, and they're still happy. They still got joy. Because they were looking in over the wall of the Israelites. It's like, why are they so dang happy? Because they got water and you don't. They have life and you don't. And here's what happened. 2 Kings 19, 32 to 36. Here's what happened when they laid siege on them. Therefore, the Lord says concerning this king, he's not coming into the city. Let me tell you something. You're protected. Can't touch this. I love it. Don't I love it? I can't touch this. Why? Because God says. Nor can you even shoot an arrow in there or bring a shield there. Or you can't even build a ramp. You can't even put a ramp up to siege this city. By the way they came, the same way they'll leave. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, because I will defend this city. God is your defender. He's got you surrounded. He's got you protected. He's not letting anybody in. I don't care how bad it seems. When you walk through the water, you won't drown. When you stand in the fire, you won't burn. He won't let it scorch you. I will defend this city. For my own sake. Listen, if you don't think you're worthy for God to do it for you, guess what? He's going to do it for his own sake. Why? Because you're his child. And he wants everybody out there to know, you can siege that kid, but you can't have him. That's right. That's my kid. That's my child. So even if you don't want it, he's going to do it for you anyway. Even if you don't think you deserve it, he's going to bring you through this. There'll be no burn. There'll be no losing of breath. You're going to come through it. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And it says, and it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed the camp of the Syrians, 185,000 of them. And when the Israelites woke up in the morning, 
There were corpses everywhere. Everybody was dead. So Sennacherib left. <laughs> That's what you do when you get your butt kicked. He went home and he stayed home. Remember that bully that used to pick on you? And that one day you got a little courage, you turned around and hit him, and he was bleeding. Then you ran like heck. <laughs> Anybody? I remember that. This guy was just bothering me. I was a peaceful kid. Finally, something came in me. I just went, wham! I saw red blood. I ran! But you know what? He never bothered me again. He left and never came back. You know what? You can wait this thing out because you got something that the enemy doesn't have. And in the end, God's going to take care of it. Some of you will wake up tomorrow and that enemy will be gone. It will be gone. Go back home. You're wasting your time with me. That's what you say. Whatever it is, just say, go back home. You're wasting your time. I got water and you don't. I got something that you don't have. Nah, 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 nah. Always wanted to say that. Nah, 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 nah. You don't have it. I got it. That's right. We got it. We got something that he doesn't have. He can't see. He doesn't know where it comes from. And guess what? It never runs out. You know what? Every time they went and pulled water out of the pool, guess what happened? Law of physics. Fill back up. Because the water's coming from a higher place. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It just kept filling up. No matter how much they drew, it just went right back. You see that? We're going to close with this. John chapter 9. I want you to see this because this is so cool. <laughs> well, at least we thought it was. <laughs> Jesus and his disciples are walking along, and they see a man who's been blind from birth. And they say, who sinned, him or his parents? Why is he blind? Jesus said, for none of those reasons said that so God can get glorified right now. See, everything you're going through, everything that's happening in you is so God can deliver you and he can get glory. So God can say, hey, yeah, Richie goes to Grace Church. He's plugged into the Holy Spirit. I don't know how he made it through, but he did. God, it must be God. Must be God. God gets glory from it. So Jesus goes up, and this is my favorite thing, you know. <sighs> I mean, when Jesus spits, Jesus spits, all right? You think you could spit? So you're blind. You're sitting there, blind guy, your whole life. Guess what's really good? Your ears. All of a sudden, you hear, you're like, is somebody sick? What's going on? Next thing you know, so Jesus, poo, spits on the ground. A few people get disgusted, leave. Disciples are like, he's really lost it this time. I mean, he fed 5,000 people with loaves. That was pretty cool, but now he's lost it. He spits on the ground, takes the mud, if that's what you want to call it. I call it, ew! I'd rather you just take mud from a, well, not a soup, but any mud from the ground, put on my eyes before you put spit mud on me. So you're blind. Your eyes already bother you. Now somebody's spitting, and, and, and everybody's going, oh! And all of a sudden, it's on your eyes. Like, oh my God. You definitely can't see. Right? As a matter of fact, it's worse. You're like, what the heck is going on right here? 
And then a voice says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. How the heck am I going to find it? It's true. Think about it. Really think about it. Hey, can somebody take me to that pool of Siloam? Somebody get me there. So he gets to the pool of Siloam. Oh, Jesus said, go wash in that pool, which is translated scent. And then he washed. And it says that for the first time in his life, he saw. Go wash. Don't go wash in the bathroom that's right here. Don't go wash in that neighbor's. Go to the pool of Siloam. Go to that water. What is that water? It's the scent water. What's the water that's sent to us? That, that, that's the living water. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, wait a second. I, I got to figure this out. Wait a second. You take the dust and you take the spit and you put it in the eyes, but that's not enough. You need, well, you know what your body is made out of? Dust and water. As a matter of fact, when God created man, he took dust and water, molded it together. It wasn't a man until he breathed his spirit into it. In the same way, Jesus would say, look, I'm going to take, take the elements of what can heal you, but without the Holy Spirit, you'll never see. Amen. Amen. And there are people that hear the word spoken, they hear preaching, they worship, all these things, but they never really see what's really going on because they've never really received a washing of the Holy Spirit. But this is a well that can be inside of you, can be streams and rivers of living water in your life if you can see and hear what I'm speaking right now. Did anybody hear right now? Do you, do you hear and see this message from God and what it is? Do you, do you recognize it? Do you recognize it? All right, let's make sure everyone here You know what happened to the blind guy? So then the Pharisees take him and say, who did this? How did this happen? But he goes, I don't know, some guy? <laughs> and, and now I see? And if you look at the end of chapter 9, this was the whole reason. Jesus found the man. And he said, now what do you see? And Jesus said, I'm the son of God. See, it's a sign of someone getting saved. You know, they, you put the mud on their eye all day. You can share the word with them and tell them how great God is and how everything he did with you. But without the Holy Spirit, they won't see it. I once was lost, but now I see. So let's make sure that everyone here can see. Bow your heads with me. Say this prayer with me for salvation. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. He literally, you know, words, you think words don't have power. You think words because you can't see them aren't strong. Let me tell you something. Say something mean to your wife and watch the power in that. You'll want to take it back and put it back in your mouth. That's how powerful a word is. You can't see it, but it has an effect. It has a power in the spiritual realm. That's why Jesus said, you know, when people get saved, it's like the wind. You don't see it, but the wind moves. The wind moves leaves. The wind moves things. It's, it's a spiritual thing that happens when you give your heart to the Lord. 27 years ago, as I was a suicidal drug dealer, high school dropout, for those of you visiting, gave my heart to the Lord. Now I have a new life. 
Doesn't matter who you are, where you are, how young you are, how old you are, today could be your day of salvation. So say this prayer with me, everyone, right now. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised him from the dead. So I could have a new life. I receive forgiveness now. And I accept Jesus and what he did on the cross. Amen. Everybody's eyes close, your head is bowed. If you said that prayer, listen to me. Right now, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity in heaven if you died? If you're not, you need to declare Jesus is Lord. He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So if you said that prayer for the first time, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Does anyone here to give their heart to Jesus Christ? Amen. Anyone else here who would like to give their heart to the Lord? You can put your hand down there. If you said that prayer, no one's looking. I just want you to stand up right now. If you raise your hand, stand up real quick. Come on.